You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We can't stop talking about Devin Booker. Here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. Talking all things Suns with Kevin Zimmerman of Arizona Sports Today, a lot of Devin Booker talk, the ejection, his response, what it means for the team, that he gets officiated the way that he does, Kevin's thoughts on this team at the halfway point, and then uh, a fun thing we like to do with Kevin when he comes on the show, which is comparing, contrasting, analyzing the careers of Devin Booker and Kyler Murray. It's a fun time to be an Arizona sports fan because of those two young superstars, and uh, it's always cool to check in on where they are, who's closer to a title, and all the rest. So stay tuned for that to close out the show. I will not hold you any longer than I have to. I just wanted to remind you guys that today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? We're certainly finding that out one game at a time here with the Phoenix Suns. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra tells you it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned later on for the Ultra Player of the Week later in the episode. All right, guys. Without further ado, my conversation, chat, check-in with Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin Zimmerman joining me now of Arizona Sports to talk all things Suns, some pressing news, some big-picture thoughts heading into the second half, as well as our favorite segment to bring Kevin on for to close the show, a little Suns-Cardinals crossover there, so we'll get to that to close, but the news of the day. And uh, Kevin, we are talking shortly after, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Gambo, um, discovered the mystery word that our our own Devin Booker used to earn his ejection that Gambo said rhymed with which. So we have that mystery solved still, I think, uh, not just in Phoenix, but across the NBA, sort of getting a lot of attention about why this is happening. So what did you make of that moment? And is it something, well, we'll get to that in a second, but just Take me through what you were thinking watching that game and, and that third quarter when he gets ejected. I mean, I think I'm in the minority in that I kind of was siding with like, Book shouldn't have got ejected, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And that's partially on him. And obviously the refs were bothered. Um, but like in the very second it happened, I was very confused, obviously, because, you know, um, we were all watching the, the, TNT broadcast at least was they had no idea why he walked off the court. They just caught like his ankles, I think walking into the tunnel and it just happened so quickly and he just walked off so quickly. I had no idea. Um, yeah. I kind of thought I was like, did I miss a technical earlier in the game? Cause I wasn't paying attention. Like that was, that was my thought. I was like, when did he get two? I, I honestly went back in the, I like went immediately to the play by play. And I was like, did we just get the wrong message about what the double texts were when the Lakers got two technicals? I was like, maybe book got one there and they just missed it. But yeah, it was two Lakers texts. And then a little bit later it was two on book simultaneously almost. And yeah, I, 
I was trying to figure out like, did Jake Crowder say something that maybe they thought book said? And it, I, I don't know. I was just trying to look at the play by play because I think that yeah. might be the most accurate when the TV guys aren't even in the arena. That definitely made things tougher and uh, doesn't, even if they're in there, like they are in some settings, I think some teams have their guys in there or we've seen some ESPN, they're not close enough to make any sense of anything. So that, that complicated all of it, but to give the Booker side of it as well, um, he spoke to the media today and basically said that, you know, he knows he shouldn't have put the team in that situation, sort of to what you were saying, Kevin there. And then, you know, was, mostly just surprised that it came in such rapid succession said he had seen and heard were seen and heard way worse things in an NBA game. And I think that part is obviously pretty reasonable to me. I, I'm sure he's said or heard other folks say the same exact type of thing to a referee and not gotten punished. I mean, some of that's just the luck of the draw. Like it is crossing a line. And I think that's obvious, but at the same time, um, you know, you kind of got to feel out the leash of what the the refs are willing to give you on a certain night. Um, the thing to me that I think makes it weird, and then we can move on to the bigger picture thing, is just that he, that the referee who called the technical foul wasn't the one he was talking to. And to me, it's yeah. like the, the way that that boundary is established just within how refereeing typically goes in the NBA is that if you cross a line, like, person to person almost with the referee, then it, I'm kind of like, okay, that guy can call whatever he wants. If the, if the person speaking to him in this case, Devin Booker is crossing whatever his line is like, it is a human human thing at a certain point, but to have the other guy sort of establish where that boundary was, that was just bizarre to me. Yeah. I mean the, the other ref calling it and so quickly, because usually when you have a tech, it's like, okay, I'm going to give him a few seconds to, calm down and kind of realize like I got a tech um, and, and book just had no chance really because he was still going on <laughs> about yeah, it so yeah. I, I think that's what's weird to me and obviously those refs were kind of out of hand just I mean the Lakers I looked at their quotes from their presser afterwards and Frank Vogel it kind of seemed like the same deal almost and, and I guess book can learn from that and say okay I should have seen these refs whether you agree with them or not and regardless of what was said, like they're calling things super tight and you just can't put yourself in that position um, when you're the best player to get ejected. And, you know, I, I thought that Shaq and Candace Parker and D Wade on the TNT post game had an inter interesting conversation about defense, but also before that they had an interesting conversation where Shaq was like, I didn't like what Monty Williams said about just moving on and book can't do that. Um, Shaq wanted Monty to stand up for book more, which, and, and then Dwayne Wade said, like, I actually like what Monty did. So that was another kind of interesting, I guess, um, lens to view that entire situation, which was a mess. And they probably, I, I don't know if we're going to see that referee crew on a national game and very soon. I'm not like those, yeah. one of those people who like follows who's calling things except for Scott Foster, maybe, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know if those guys are going to be in Al Adam Silver's good graces, I guess. I think you're right. I mean, regardless from, you know, I, I it is so subjective when it comes to these these types of fouls. And so I don't even know if it's so much a, a mistake was made as it is. You don't want that to be 
honestly, you don't want that to be what you and I talk about on a podcast the next day, right? Like it yeah. shouldn't be the story um, of a game that was high profile and well-played and competitive and exciting. And, uh, you know, it was a chippy game. And obviously I think that plays a part. And um, we know that whether it's the same guys as it was in the, you know, mid two thousands in this rivalry, I think both teams sort of get up for the stuff like that. Um, but just to zoom out, like, I think it, it begs the more important question. And this is sort of where I took it on talking about the game in my recap show last night was Booker, as we get toward the playoffs, it's clearly not the first time that we've talked about Devin Booker and referees. It's not the first time, you know, it, we've done the same with Chris Paul, but I mean, that's a conversation for a different day, but it's just like thinking about this team through the lens of, of what they'll need to do to change their style to adjust to the playoffs as a, a lot of first time guys in that setting, I think Booker and, and the way that he gets officiated and, and is constantly at it with the referees. I mean, I just feel like it's the kind of thing that, that might come back to bite him and bite this team come May or, or June. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the Charlotte game that I believe you were at too, like that was a big deal because obviously that was the night that he got finally named to the all-star team. And he was like his, you can tell when he's chippy just based on how he plays, which is why he's kind of ascended to this status that he's at um, where he has that attitude of like Kobe, where he just will go at you if you're going at him verbally. Um, but it does get him in problems sometimes. Like I think he was drawing Devonte Graham that game. Um, and then when you're talking to the refs consistently, even if it's, you know, a few calls a quarter prior um, to getting a technical, like they're humans too. And when they're tired of hearing from you and you tell them that you're not listening and just to move on and you keep doing it, um, I think human nature can get the best of, you know, even the best refs sometimes. So that's something that like, I think he does have to get better at. I think he does have to just be careful about, okay, maybe I approach certain refs different ways you can't just always be um calling them names even if regardless of what other people call them names and what's acceptable um we we don't need to go down the road of like what words are acceptable i don't think yeah no um, it's it's, it's subjective there. it's subjective yeah yeah and it's but but i'm just saying like he has to be conscious of that um like you yeah. said for sure and you know i think another high profile game this will go up thursday morning so we have Warriors Suns um, on TNT again on Thursday night. And, and I think, you know, it shouldn't impact him, but it'll be another game where I think people will be watching to see, you know, does he do some of those same things? And you start, like you said, to build a reputation. And as the Suns get into more of these high profile games, and it is important to make sure that the referees are um, kind of on your side in whatever ways you can. And, and losing that is, is a, an easy way to get a, you know, have the opponent get up an upper hand on you. And so just worth monitoring. I mean, we're only halfway through, but it, it's been a thing throughout the course of his career and the stakes are just higher now. So we'll have to see how it goes, but uh, we'll get Kevin's thoughts on this, this team as a whole, he's obviously around them just as much as I am. And um, so we haven't had him on yet. We'll do that in the next segment, but first a quick break. Our ultra player of the week this week brought to you by Michelob ultra. I feel like you can guess who I'm going to pick if you listen to this show enough. It is Dario Saric. Healthy, COVID-free, not his right or his left ankle. 
Nothing like that. Dario Saric is back. He is this team's sixth man. He closed the game against the Lakers. He blocked it and shooter at the rim. He has this incredible two-man game, not just with Chris Paul, but also with Mikhail Bridges. He is showing us what I think we thought Frank Kaminsky was going to do for this team, and he did a great job at, but the upper ceiling of what a player like that can be. Saric, since joining the Suns, plays with incredible joy, and that's what Michelob Ultra is all about. Joy creates success. We know that. Saric was not himself in Minnesota, and over the past two years, he's shown what he can do, and he's really living up to his full potential right now. Michelob Ultra wants you to know that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Their wonderful beverage, beer, is 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's that perfect accompaniment to watching a joyful player play this wonderful game and enjoyment is not the end game it's the whole game Sharich doing his thing rounding into form fully healthy filling the role we knew he would on this team and just making me happy to watch him how do you not how could you not be when you watch Dario he is just a thrill and it's awesome to see him fulfill the potential we've been talking about what he could be as an NBA player for so long before he was even in Phoenix and now we are seeing it Again, this week's Ultra Player of the Week brought to you by Michelob Ultra. A quick second as well to tell you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Somehow Nikola Jokic has slipped in the MVP voting. He's now back to third, and I get that's where he sort of is in the general consensus. Luka Doncic even further down. I don't think this thing is decided whatsoever. So if you're looking for something fun to put some money on and watch over the course of the NBA season, that is my recommendation. MVP voting, they have plenty. You could put some money on Booker. Who knows? Crazier things have happened, right? In addition to that, college basketball, NHL, MLB, all in full swing, real-time updated odds and props on all of those sports as well as awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has you covered for everything. It's the best best place to put down a bet, and best of all, it is free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to download their app and sign up today. When you do that, you're going to use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back here with Kevin Zimmerman of Arizona Sports talking the first half. We have one more game, but effectively halfway done with this 2020-21 season. Um, Really quick, want to remind you guys to check out Locked On today. They have had me on several times, so you get your son's fix if you don't get enough of it here, but you also get every single sports story from every single league in 20 minutes or less every single morning including a cue of the day, which is basically the debate you need to be locked in on every morning and uh, some fun stuff too. Um, highlights, you know, whether that's a big play or the biggest story, whatever it is. And it's all quick, easy to digest. So listen to that show wherever you get to, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, Kevin. So just tell me maybe what the biggest thing on your mind is. We don't get to actually talk to one another when we cover games anymore. So I haven't even talked to you about this team much at all. How are you feeling about where they are and what's on your mind as we think about uh, part two of this season? Yeah, I think I think things came together 
faster than I anticipated, just like covering teams during the pandemic just made you realize how important like training camp is and how um, rookies struggle when they don't have that and how new players take longer to like learn a system. And I think it, you know, there's that little rut before this really good stretch that they've had over 18 games or whatever it is now. Um, and they figured things out then and it just snapped together just like that. So I've been impressed by that. Cause like Utah, um, the Lakers, even um, the Clippers teams like that, I thought would kind of run away and pull away from teams like the Suns just because of the pieces that they're integrating are huge pieces. Um, so I think, plus the like coaching changes on the staff, like Monty Williams had lost a couple of guys on the staff and you never know how that's going to matter, but it, it looks like the same type of team as last year, as far as style. And that's, I think another example of Monty being a really good coach. And I think that's why they are where they are. Obviously like Chris Paul's a smart dude and is going to learn stuff, but Monty is connecting with him. Um, roles have been pretty much figured out, even though they kind of have been meddling with that bench unit lately. But yeah, I, I'm just really surprised that we're at the all-star break, that there is an all-star game. Um, and the Suns are, what, second in the league right now. So that's, I guess, my general thought. Yeah, it's, I mean, complete, when you just say the Suns are the second best team in the NBA, I feel like that in and of itself is worth being really impressed by. I mean. Um, almost aside from anything else, I think that's higher than most anybody's expectations were. Like I remember bringing people on preseason, just thinking about this team, trying to think about how good they could be. We all knew they were probably going to make the playoffs. And I sort of established the baseline of what they needed to do as, you know, avoid the play in game. That's sort of like, I think where a lot of us settled as a reasonable thing to, to hope for, or to, to set a goal for, if you're within the team, and they've blown that out of the water. Like they are in on on pace to host two playoff series if things were to break that way. That's remarkable. So I think your point about um, how it's come together is interesting. And I think it's particularly when you point to that stretch in late January where they lost to the Thunder, they lost those games to Denver and had some learning experiences, all very close losses, but still um, some key mistakes that led to those. And the fact that it really seemed to come together when Devin Booker was out um, is probably, I mean, it's sometimes just how the sort of chips fall or whatever the saying is, but it's like, it's maybe not too much that needs to be read into there. But when you do talk about Chris Paul adapting to what the Suns offense was, I think that's when we saw it happen. And to not have to worry about getting Devin Booker going, getting him involved, but being able to just say, okay, what do I need to do as the playmaker in this system? How do my teammates operate? We have this entire, you know, 30% of our possessions gone. Let's just get down to the kind of bare bones of this offense and figure it out. And they really did. And then you saw in that Dallas game where Booker comes back, he hits a game winner and sort of propels them onto this run. So I think you're, observation that they used in season to kind of make that growth and, and make those incremental steps is, I mean, it's impressive, but it's also rare even outside of a pandemic that you see a team be able to learn lessons over the course of play, especially when they're not practicing. It, it's weird that you bring that up. Cause when you look at it, 
like they started clicking when Chris Paul really was taking over those games um, when Booker was out. And then it just carried over to Chris Paul stepping back and just letting Book take over um, when he came back. And that's, that's what's crazy to me is, like you mentioned, it's figuring something out when it's not like all the pieces aren't there. And I think that's maybe you just say that Chris had more of a role and something just clicked there. I don't know. Um, it, it's really hard to put a finger on it, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the most impressive part of it. And then when you look at it, just, I think we said this at the end of the bubble run, like that team last year did not have the best athletic talent or the best overall talent, but they were a pretty good defensive team when they were doing things like Monty wanted. And so now that you have Chris Paul, um, you have a lot deeper team, that defense being this good, it isn't super surprising, but it's just like, we're not used to that here in Phoenix. And I think that's really what's taken this team to even on a bad night, like they still have a really good shot of winning because you, you grind it out and then you just lean on book and Paul late in the games. And that's kind of been their formula. Yeah. I tweeted this last night and um, I think some fans agreed. Sometimes, you know, what fans are going to agree with. We all know how Twitter can work, but I think like I, I was watching the bulls um, to a lesser extent, Minnesota, but then again, uh, last night in some situations uh, where Aiton got switched on to Dennis Schroeder or helped on Schroeder, even Dario had that block, but specifically with Aiton, the idea that a big sort of hole that was exposed in this team's stock for the future was Aiton supposedly being good on the perimeter as a defensive player and then not being able to cut it against the, the best of the best and that sort of making people think he was no longer good at that. I think these past couple games have reminded us that is a positive of his ability, but those other games also don't go away. Brooklyn, Charlotte with LaMelo Ball and James Harden. So understanding that we're going to see probably more teams do what Harden and Ball did to him in the playoffs. How are you thinking about the defense? Like, is there anything they can do about that? Cause I feel like that's just built in at this point. I, it's interesting because I think Monty right now is probably going through that in his head, like against the Lakers, they were killing um, Booker possessions. They were making sure there was help defense when Aiton rimrolled and just letting the forwards or wings, I guess, um, shoot threes like Mikel and Jay. Um, and, and then for some reason, like, the, the Suns just like decide, okay, well, we're not going to deal with this. We're just going to have Dario in there. And Monty's done that down the stretch the last few games where he's just saying, okay, guys, you, you got us. You're trying to attack DA um, and you're trying to pay attention to him on the other end. And Dario's such a great tool, I think, in that regard, just because he's so different um, on both ends. I, I'm not even just talking about defense or offense here because I, I think that's what's interesting about like when you talk about going to the playoffs is teams now are going to have to be like, okay, well, we have the personnel to defend um, DeAndre or attack DeAndre. Um, but what teams can just revert to guarding Dario lineups? Like, I think that's the biggest key on 
if you talk about like an ecology or something like that about the team. Um, yeah. I think Dario's like that big of a key just because he is the, okay, you, you guys got DA um, kind of in a tizzy right now. We're just going to throw Dario out there. And I think right now that it, it looks like a really good patch. I don't know if it's temporary, but I think that you got to consider like, okay, if DA is just not having it, then he's going to sit and we're going to survive and do well without that. Yeah, I think it was definitely interesting to see Dario close that game. And it was also interesting to see that as much as we have this whole conversation about Frank Kaminsky because he's sort of a wacky uh, character in all of this, I suppose, and, and the fact that he's starting is just kind of bizarre overall. We see when he didn't start last night against the Lakers, Monty was not married to getting him minutes. This is not, you know, some sort of, sympathy thing or whatever it's you know we're going to do what we can do to win and if that happens to involve frank who's been a really big part of our system grown good teammate good player we you know we've gotten a lot out of him then great if it's not then you know we still won the game and and that's totally fine and so part of that is having a guy like frank i guess who can adapt having a guy like dario who can adapt even ayton um, being fairly adaptable himself um, but the rest of it i think is Again, some credit to Monty for being willing to try that stuff and to know when the moment is right to um, be more aggressive with his rotation and change things up. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, is if if we see Dario close more games, I mean, I'll be sort of surprised in the regular season, but I think that was a hint of what could come in the playoffs for sure. So we'll uh, couch that for now. We're going to have more people on throughout the week or two break here where we can talk about some more observations from this half and what we can see in the second half. But in the next segment, we're going to talk Devin Booker and Kyler Murray have a little bit of fun measuring these two guys' careers uh, on a day where Devin Booker wore Kyler Murray's Rookie of the Year hoodie. So perfect timing on our part. We'll be back right after a break. One last break to tell you about Rock Auto. Listen, guys, last thing that I want to do this year is spend even more money on my car. We're all hoping... Things are going to be opening up. We can go back to our normal lives, maybe get an extra job, maybe get the job, the dream job we've been waiting for, all that stuff. We all have plenty of ideas about what 2021 20, can be. I guarantee you none of them include spending a ton of money on your car. We do our own maintenance and parts purchases and repairs because we want to save money. But these days, the chain stores and the dealerships can make that really, really hard. Because you walk in, you think you know what you want, you think you know what you need, they're going to try to nickel and dime you. They're going to change the price on you. They're going to screw you over most of the time. RockAuto.com does none of those things. RockAuto always offers the lowest price available rather than changing them based on what the market will do. They do not require a membership or login or subscription fee. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, guarantee you they will have just about anything that you need. From engine control modules, brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I know you've been hearing about them all over the place because I have two, and they mean business. Rock Auto prices are reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So again, save money when you do this stuff. Don't spend any more than you have to. Why double your money for the same parts that you can get when you shop at Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now, scan their catalog for whatever you need, 
and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box when you make your purchase so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, closing out the show, talking Suns and Cardinals here. Uh, we've had Kevin on back when Evan was still with us doing this every so often, every few months. Um, it would have been probably better to do this, I feel like, maybe first month or two of the Cardinals season after the bubble. I feel like we would have just been jubilant, Kevin, but uh, things are a little different with with the Cardinals now. I just think it's such an interesting comparison, though, because you kind of have the two most important types of players in each type in each sport at the same time, being young, being kind of the faces of, of sports here. So where are we with both of these guys? Who's closer to winning a championship in your mind? I think it's Devin Booker right now. I mean, as far as if we're considering, I guess, superstardom too, I think he's close to there. Um, I think the Suns have a legitimate roster. Like, I'm not going to say they're going to win a title this year, but like we've discussed, it's they're, they're going to be competitive in this playoffs, um, regardless of like, they don't have the playoff experience, whatever. I think books game isn't going to just like flop in the playoffs either. I think that that's, I would be surprised. Um, Kyler has just so many more question marks as far as where he can ascend to, um, this past season, obviously, like you unleash him with his legs, even if he didn't get hurt. Um, and that's why we assume he kind of had a drop off in the middle of the year. I, I think that that's putting him in elite company in some regards, but like, I don't want to do the Lamar Jackson thing and say he can't throw because he's an awesome, awesome, has an awesome arm talent. But I think there's a lot to be learned about how good he is in his head, like dissecting defenses, understanding what teams are doing to him. Um, and honestly, like football is not my number one sport as far as knowledge. And I think it's a lot more complex sport, but I, I just think there are a lot more questions that go into not only Kyler and his um, ability to grow like in his brain, but like how Cliff uses him and how the offense kind of works. Um, so I, I just think there are a lot more questions with him. And I think book, like, I, I think we know who book is at this point. For sure. And I agree with you completely about sort of the, one of the things I've been hyping up all year, and I think became really what the bubble taught me more than anything, I think maybe more than any single thing about the Suns, is the transportability of Booker's game. I just have no doubts anymore that when the stakes are high, like that was the whole thing for a while with Booker of, you know, people who would try to make the argument of Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell being better than him is, oh, well, we've seen them do it in the playoffs. And that is still true, but I have just no doubt in my mind that it's just a matter of getting there for Booker to show what those guys have done. And I, I think we're going to obviously see it here and not too long. The other part that's hard is Booker is in a sixth season. Kyler just finished his second. And so, yes, they're, you know, roughly similar in age, but just the nature of how those leagues work and how young Booker was when he came in makes it a little tough. But at the same time, I do want to ask you, so Booker, I think we can all agree is like a top 12 to 15 player. That was where he was on most of the, you know, annual player ranking stories that these outlets do. Um, I think he probably hasn't necessarily risen past that yet, but that's pretty great company in and of itself. Is Kyler, how far away is Kyler from being a top 
12 or 10 type of quarterback in the NFL? I think it could come this year. I mean, metrics wise, he's middle rung. I mean, even after his rookie year, he was in the middle rung. And as far as a passer and I think QB ratings and all that stuff, um, him kind of unleashing his talents as a rusher this past year kind of elevates that to where I, I think he's knocking on the door of top 10, but again, it's, it's decision-making. It's not getting, you know, intentional grounding calls near the back of your own end zone when you could have just thrown it away, like 10 yards down the field, um, false start stuff, miscommunications with receivers, which obviously are hard to kind of peg on him all the time. You don't really know. Um, but, but there's little stuff like that where it's just like, okay, he can clean that up. Um, the offense is going to be better. And then it's going to come down to, I, I just think that offense really getting going and finding an identity because they didn't really have that. So I think play action stuff, we, we need to see more from him. Um, but yeah, I just think he's super raw. And to me, that's really the question is how quickly can you develop him in this window where he's on that contract that allows you to have a pretty good team around him? Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's cool that those guys have, I don't know if they're close, but they have at least a mutual respect. And, you know, we've seen back when people could go to sporting, sporting events, we've seen Kyler at Suns games and, um, you know, obviously the Larry Fitzgerald connection kind of draws these organizations close as well. Um, but it's just cool. Like, you know, growing up here and stuff, there a lot, every team that's been great here has been characterized by veterans who are sort of on either not, maybe not their last legs, but a second chapter or a third chapter, whether that's all the way, you know, Randy Johnson, the past 20 years to Steve Nash, to Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, like, for whatever reason, that has been the identity of, of Arizona sports. So just to have two young guys kind of growing at the same time is just, I don't know, it's fascinating. It's really cool to me to be able to watch that in real time. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I was on the Chris Paul, JJ Watt, like Zooms yesterday, and both of them were kind of just talking like it, people like to, well, the organizations like to pull pull for each other and, and kind of play off one another's energy and that's marketing strategy and all that good stuff. But there does seem to be like kind of a community where the coaches do care about one another. Um, the GMs care about one another and yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. I mean, the Cardinals, you know, with getting JJ Watt, you look at them, you look at where the Suns are, like this is still a Suns town. I, I don't, I think Cardinals fans are far more fair weather and they can, unsubscribe to any of my tweets or whatever for me saying that but I just think it's an exciting time because like those two sports just when you look at marketing and this landscape here at least like that that's a big deal so it is exciting times for us I would say yeah very cool and um hopefully you know we can all sort of be there I, I guess everyone says that every day at this point but you know seeing it in in person is obviously the majority of the fun. So hopefully many of you listening can, can get in this arena and get to uh, Cardinal stadium in the fall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always fun to check in and especially just as we, I think we're in for eventually seeing more of those two 
develop out just some sort of relationship because they obviously, like I said, have that respect for one another. And I think they probably, you know, see the, the opportunities in front of them, you know, book's been very open about it since he's been here for longer of being sort of a face of this community. He talked today at his press conference about being, you know, similar to what, what he saw from Diana Taurasi or Larry Fitzgerald being one of these legendary figures in the community and with how young Arizona sports stuff is in general, there's just not a lot of that history. And so uh, these two will be a big part of it, I think, but you can follow him at K Zimmerman, a Z you can read and listen to him at arizonasports.com where he covers the Suns, the Cardinals and anything they throw at him. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. I appreciate it. Have a good one.